Our text for this morning is Proverbs chapter 7. The preceding chapters in Proverbs extol the value and the primacy of wisdom and declare that all wisdom comes from God. The heart of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. The fruit of wisdom is the blessing of right, intimate relationship with the Father. But these early chapters also warn that all thought and action that does not come from wisdom are from evil and lead to destruction. Much of this warning is presented through the obvious example of adultery, of succumbing to the catastrophic temptation of sexual relationship with a woman or man who is not wife or husband. But in chapter 7, the reality of the subtle seductress expands, emphasizing that God's wisdom and insight show that anything can seduce. Any desire can make us senseless and lead us away from relationship with him and into the chambers of death. And while the language of this passage presents a female seductress and a young male fool, we must be aware that its warning concerns male and female, young and old. Proverbs chapter 7. Dear friend, do what I tell you. Treasure my careful instructions. Do what I say and you'll live well. My teaching is as precious as your eyesight. Guard it. Write it out on the back of your hands. Etch it on the chambers of your heart. Talk to wisdom as to a sister. Treat insight as your companion. They'll be with you to fend off the temptress, that smooth-talking, honey-tongued seductress. As I stood at the window of my house looking out through the shutters, watching the mindless crowd stroll by, I spotted a young man without any sense, arriving at the corner of the street where she lived, then turning up the path to her house. It was dusk, the evening coming on, the darkness thickening into night. Just then the woman met him. She'd been lying in wait for him, dressed to seduce him. She was brazen and brash, restless and roaming, never at home, walking the streets, loitering in the mall, hanging out at every corner in town. She threw her arms around him and kissed him, boldly took his arm and said, I've got all the makings for a feast. Today I made my offerings, my vows are all paid, so now I've come to find you, hoping to catch sight of your face. And here you are. I've put fresh, clean sheets on the bed, colorful, imported linens. My bed is aromatic with spices and exotic fragrances. Come, let's make love all night. Let's spend the night in ecstatic lovemaking. My husband's not home. He's away in business. He won't be back for a month. Soon, she has him eating out of her hand, bewitched by her honeyed speech. Before you know it, he's trotting behind her like a calf led to the butcher shop, like a 10-point buck lured into ambush and then shot with an arrow, like a bird flying into a net not knowing that its flying life is over. So, friends, listen to me. Take these words of mine most seriously. Don't fool around with a woman like that. 
Don't even stroll through her neighborhood. Countless victims come under her spell. She's the death of many a poor man and woman. She runs a halfway house to hell, fits you out with a shroud and a coffin. It's a good thing we look at the book of Proverbs, isn't it? What a great book. I'm stepping down this morning from up there down to here because I want to teach this morning rather than the preaching mode I want to teach because the passage we're going to look at, the faces of the fools in the book of Proverbs is so significant. Take out in your bulletin a purple sheet. Part of this will be up on the screen, part of it will not. And I really want to follow this to help us to really understand the fools that we find in the book of Proverbs. And I do believe that in the book of Proverbs, the connection is made, I think, with not only the fools in Proverbs, but the fools we find in Romans chapter one. And this is, uh, it seems to be a remarkable parallel that's going on. So let's pray. Father, we want to be faithful to you and run the race as we sang the song until the end. And Father, it's, it's so important, our beginning, as we come to experience the, the powerful message of the gospel and experience in our lives, Father, but we need to cross the finish line strong, faithfully following you with living in the sphere of wisdom, living faith to faith, as Paul says, each day. So be with us, Father, as we think about these things. Amen. What we try to do here at Roosevelt Covenant is to give us a full picture of what the Bible has to say. If we spend all our time in just one part of the Bible, I would suspect that we probably would have some imbalance in our thinking and some imbalance in our, our beliefs and our theology. So that's why I think it's very important that we have books from the Old Testament, books from the New Testament, books from the various kinds of literature that we find in the Bible. We certainly want to rest very strongly on Jesus, which really unfolds all the aspects of the Bible. Jesus unfolds that for us. But nonetheless, we want to dip into the Old Testament, and the book of Proverbs is a great book. I encourage you all throughout your life to read the book of Proverbs. The practical wisdom that's there over and over again, how we live as the people of faith. Two friends met, not seeing each other for a long time. One had gone to college and was now very successful. The other hadn't gone to college, didn't have much ambition, yet he seemed to be doing quite well. The college graduate asked his friend, how has everything been going for you? The less educated man replied, well, one day I opened my Bible at random and dropped my finger on a page. The word under my finger was oil. So I invested in oil, and boy, did the oil wells come about. Then I tried the same method again and put my finger and stopped on the word gold. So I invested in gold, and those mines really produced incredibly. The college grad rushed to his hotel, grabbed a Gideon Bible, flipped open, dropped his finger on a page. When he opened his eyes, he saw that his finger rested on the words, chapter 11. <laughs> it's really, really important for us that we become uh, mindful interpreters of the Bible, even though, by the way, there are people who in their moments of desperation, even in a, in a hotel with a Gideon Bible, in moments of desperation, they have opened the Bible to places where God has spoken to them in powerful ways. 
But I think we need to be a little more astute as people who want to understand the Bible and simply dropping our fingers on passages and that becomes the direction for our lives. And so we've got to be wise and we've got to be studious as we study the sacred word. Today I want to end our series from Saul on, on the issue of foolishness. There's so much to say in the book of Proverbs about foolishness. One of the examples in the Old Testament that really ends up to be quite tragic is the life of Solomon. As you know, Solomon was asked, uh, he would get a wish and a request from God, and he chose wisdom. All the things that he could have chosen, he chose wisdom. And you see in the early days of Solomon, all this incredible wisdom as is practically played out in human experience. The wisdom of God, wisdom in making decisions, wisdom in, in the construction of this, this massive and unbelievable temple. But as life went on, as life went on, Solomon became more and more foolish. He, the tide turned. All the wives that he had incorporated into his, his, his system, as I may say, hundreds and hundreds of wives and concubines. And at the end of Solomon's life, it said that he was not at all wholly devoted to the Lord, and he actually brought from his wives, who were from various religions of various places, he brought their, their gods and their idols into the very confines of Jerusalem and the temple. And so here's a man who started out with great wisdom, but over time, he becomes one of the faces of the fool that we see in the book of Proverbs. I think we'll have some time today for some uh, questions or reflections, so if you think of something as we go along here that you say, I would like to ask, I'd be more than happy to respond to that. But when we think about foolishness, it's a person who lacks good sense, a person who lacks judgment, stupidity, and it leads often to a reckless life with destructive consequences. In Proverbs, we have the five faces of the fools in this book. Or we might call them the people of folly because they're all throughout the book we see these characters finding their expression. But first of all, in, Paul, in, the, uh, in the book of, of Proverbs, he talks about the importance of wisdom. Living in the sphere of wisdom as people who are wise. And when we live in the sphere of wisdom, we are people of good judgment, we're careful, we make thoughtful decisions and we lead a prudent life. But the most important thing that makes that possible in the first, very first seven verses in this great uh, book of Proverbs is, is God's constant desire for them to make those judgments, be careful in what they do. But it ends that section with the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord means you have entered into a relationship with him that's trusting. You enter into a relationship with him that has a, a deep sense of respect for God. And God becomes the centerpiece of one's life as it unfolds in all the decisions that we have to make. The fear of the Lord is the beginning and unpacks all the wisdom as it's expressed in our lives. But also in that verse, verse seven is, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Folks, we gotta live in that sphere of wisdom. Sometimes we make unwise decisions, foolish decisions, but still the main rhythms of our life are surrounded by God and his activity in our lives as we seek to serve him. So living in the fear of God is the sphere of wisdom. It's very dangerous for us or people to turn away from God. 
It's devastating as we see in the book of Proverbs. And there's, there's a series of progressions of steps that, that not most people will go, steps they will take downward away from the living God. Now, not all people will progress to all those levels. Some people might stop at a certain level, but still, their life is characterized by foolishness. They have turned away from God. So let's look at these fools. If you read your English Bible, all you'll see is all these fools, and you won't be able to distinguish the categories. What you need to do is get a concordance because there's five different Hebrew words that describe these fools. And there's five, I think, different levels of where they are in relationship to God. And so let's look at these and let's try to understand them. The first one is the simple one. How long will you, are simple, love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Or the simple believes anything, but the prudent give thoughts to their steps. You see, the characteristic of this first category, which is closest to the sphere of wisdom, is somebody who is naive. They tend to, to believe everything. They're the kind of person that are, that are easily swayed by the, the latest thinking that's going on. And as you unpack in this book, 16 times you see this person being described. And I think the best way we can try to influence a person who has these characteristics is try to lead, enter into their lives. All of these you have to enter into some measure into their lives with some truthful instruction. Maybe you can lead them to the sphere of wisdom by truthful instruction as you interact in a relationship. The next one is 19 times is the unreasonable one. The next one, the unreasonable one. The way of the fool seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Or it is one's honor to avoid strife, but every fool is quick to quarrel. This one has a characteristic of an unreasonable one. They shun godly instruction. They have characteristics of being arrogant. And you find their characteristic is quarrelsome. A person like this were probably best to call out their behavior. As you engage in a relationship, and this is the kind of attitudes they have, you might want to be bold to call out their behavior because their behavior is destructive for them and others. It's the unreasonable one, the unreasonable fool. And we engage in people. We, we start to see people with these kind of characteristics. The next one is the stubborn one. 48 times is the most predominant one we find in the book of Proverbs. And we see, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of the fool suffers harm. Or fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. Here we have is what's called the stubborn one. They despise authority. If you look at all these passages, they are authority unto themselves. And interesting enough, they have characteristics of being two-faced. Sometimes with a person like this that is so sure of what they think and so sure and so confident and despises any kind of authority, it's very difficult to influence them. Sometimes you might be in a situation where you really can't engage them. It's hard for us to realize that there are people sometimes, even though we care so deeply, for them to move to the sphere of wisdom that you can't engage them because there's not much productivity, because this one is deeply stubborn. But it gets worse, folks. We have the mocking one 15 times, the mocking one. Where there is strife, there is pride, but wisdom is found for those who take advice. Drive out the mockers, and out goes strife. Quarrels and insults are ended. 
These folks, it seems, as you look at these passages, scoff and ridicule spiritual matters. They slander people. They have, they, they have what's called an unprincipled mind. And sometimes you have to help this person by protecting those who are harmed by their destructive attitude and behavior. The mocking ones are destructive in the lives of others, and we sometimes have to come to the aid of somebody who is being hurt deeply by a fool who is characterized as the mocking one. The final category away from God, and this is the farthest away from God, I think, in terms of of, um, relationship to God, is the wicked one. 14 times. Psalms is very important. Each heart knows its own bitterness, can share its joy. To have a fool for a child brings grief. There is no joy in a parent of a godless fool. I think one passage there, Psalm 1410, is also this. The fool says in their heart, there is no God. That's not a philosophical statement, folks. That's a moral statement. It's a person who doesn't want to have God at all in his life so he can be free or she can be free to do whatever they want when they want to. With no restraints. They're the wicked ones. They're corrupt and they're vile in their behavior. They've abandoned the truth. They are dangerous to those around them and they're often called, this is more New Testament language, but apostates. And I think these folks, by their own choices, by their constant resistance of God over a long period of time, have chosen to be the unreachable ones. You try to influence them very simply by leaving them alone and it's so difficult until they crash. You really can't help a person that's in this situation too much, even with you're trying to display the love of God and your caring concern, but the practical reality is these folks probably will only come to their senses when they crash. The best example of that is the prodigal son. There's two prodigals in that great parable of Jesus. There's two prodigals, but the one comes home, but the one prodigal goes. He goes away with a portion of the wealth of his father, and he goes away to live a life of moral corruption as he abandons the truth, and it's only as he crashes and he comes to his senses does he return to God. He's not one of those unreachable ones because he comes to his senses, but it's rare. Many of them live in this situation most of the rest of their lives. And I suggest to you that there are these these five characters of the foolish people. And these five individuals have characteristics, but they are characteristics that all take them, in many cases, farther and farther and farther away from the sphere of God's incredible wisdom to their detriment. And it often is progressive in the lives of people. As I was thinking about this, it seemed to me, as I was thinking about this, the Apostle Paul talks about foolishness and fools in Romans chapter 1. And I got to wonder, is there any kind of parallel there? In Romans chapter 1, and this is on the back of your sheet that I gave you, the Apostle Paul talks about the sphere of wisdom. He talks about the sphere of, of wisdom, and he does it through the term from faith to faith. And I want to read a few things here for you. He talks about faith. So instead of the sphere of wisdom, in a sense it's wise, it's the sphere of faith. And he talks about this in verse 16 and 17 of Romans chapter 1. I'd like to read them for you. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it's the power of God that brings salvation to anyone believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. For the gospel is the righteousness of God revealed. Righteousness that's by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous shall live by their faith. 
The Apostle Paul describes for us, as he, as he gives this first description of people who choose to walk with Christ, walk with God, choose to appropriate in their lives the powerful message of God's salvation and his grace, and as a result of that, they're living their lives on a daily basis from faith to faith, the choices they make, to be in a relationship with him, a trusting relationship with God. This is Paul's deep desire as he writes the book of Romans. But the practical reality of Romans is we see he talks about foolishness. He talks about a progression of turning away from God. Listen to these verses. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and wicked of human beings who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what is known from God is plain to them because God has made his plan known to them. Since the creation of the world, his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood for what has been made. So such people are without excuse. Although they knew God, at least who he was, they neither glorified him or gave him thanks, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal of God his image is made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. So we have is a description of people who have chosen by their own choice to turn away from God, just like the fools in the book of Proverbs. And the turning away from God I see as progressive. You see in Romans chapter one, there's stages and steps as people walk away from God. They move farther, farther and away from him with more devastating consequences and more devastating behavior. And then God, in every step, simply turns them over. That's the choices he makes. He's, he's not going to stop them, even though he would love to stop them. He turns them over. I just suggest to you on the back of that sheet there, we're not going to put it on the screen, that there's some categories that seem to line up in my thinking with the book of Proverbs. The confused one in, is a simple in Proverbs. Their minds become confused. They're susceptible to foolish things like idolatry. It's just foolish. Their, their, their minds become so confused similar to the one who is called the simple. The lying one, the unreasonable one, the book of Proverbs, they shun the truth. Chapter one, verse 25, they deliberately follow lies. Sexual behavior is outside the design of God in Genesis chapter two. And so they shun the truth in an unreasonable way. You have the proud one, who's like the stubborn one in Proverbs. They refuse God's authority, they hate God. They are boasters. They live out their lives of destructive behavior. You have the destructive one, which is like the mockers in Proverbs. They refuse to understand truth. They break promises. They hurt people. We see in Romans 1, verse 31. And finally, you have one who's described as the immoral one, who's like the wicked one in Proverbs who live sinful lives, they're contentious, they're rebellious, and they seek to lead people down destructive paths. It's not only one who chooses to walk away from God and live a lifestyle that's so far from God's truth, but they love to get other people into their folly, bring other people into their destructive behavior. And there we find the lowest category, which I think lines up with the wicked one. I have a seeking suspicion, I can't prove it by any means, but I have a seeking suspicion that the Apostle Paul, when he wrote Romans chapter one, he was drawing it from the fools in the book of Proverbs. He prefaces it with two expressions of foolishness and then he unpacks it. Just some observation principles that are important to me as I see this. First of all, the importance of personally worshiping God and knowing him. 
Folks, I can't impress upon us enough the importance of living in the sphere of wisdom, making wise choices, playing out in our lives what the book of Proverbs describes as people of great wisdom. I also encourage us to live our lives as people that Paul describes as people of genuine faith, people with fear of God, people with genuine faith that have appropriated the gospel. They're not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God to transform people as people who's living by Holy Spirit power. This is the hope. This is the hope of these books. The sad part is there tends to be a progression downward in people's lives as they turn away from God. The downward trend, the dangerousness of walking away from God and what that does over time. The people of faith, when we walk by faith, we realize that following Christ and living the life is going to be difficult times. And we are interpreting those difficult experiences through the eyes of faith. We'll be looking at the book of James down the road in the fall and it says, consider all joy when you encounter various trials for the testing of your faith produces endurance and when endurance has its perfect results, you'll be perfect and complete. Wait a minute, consider it joy when you encounter various trials in our lives? We see it through the lens of faith to realize that the difficult experiences in our lives, and there are many, are opportunities for us to become more conformed to the image of Christ. It's redemptive in our lives, and we see that even though it's difficult, we see that. For the purpose person who does not understand genuine faith or wisdom, to them they see it as an expression of to shake the fist in the face of God when they experience difficult things because they're not living in the sphere of God. And all the anger sometimes that we see expressed, even in our culture, sometimes is displaced anger towards God. It's really towards God that's taken out on other people because they're not living in the sphere and understanding faith. It's progression, progressive. It's not, we don't always remain static if we choose not to walk with God. We seem to take the, the steps downward. The different categories of people must be engaged in different ways. And I encourage you to think about it. Harder to reach people who move farthest away from God. It's harder to activate a nation when a nation moves farther away from God. But we care about them so deeply. We care about every category of the fool because we'd love to have them come to experience wisdom, to experience the truth of Christ. And Ezekiel says, as surely as I live, declares the Lord God, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather they turn from their ways and repent and live. That's our heart. Proverbs 24, 17, do not gloat when your enemies fall, when they stumble. Do not let your heart rejoice. Of course, Jesus says he came to seek and to seek lost people. We desire to help them to move to a, towards a relationship with God. Our purpose is to try to move them towards a relationship with God through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay, do you have any questions or any comments? as we think about the fools in the Bible. Anyway, observation. It's a lot to throw at you in a short period of time. Any questions or observations? Yes, sir, Mark. It's easy to see this, these things in other people, but sometimes it's difficult to reflect and see it in ourselves. That's an excellent point. 
It's a lot easier to see in other people <laughs> than it is to see it in ourselves. You know, self-reflection is very, very difficult. That's why in the book of Proverbs, he talks so much about iron sharpening iron. The body of Christ, in the Old Testament, the, the, the community of, of faith in the Old Testament was there for the purpose of entering into people's lives, caring enough about people, when they see behavior that's destructive, loving and caringly enter into lives and give admonition. That's why the body of Christ is so important to one another. That's why we need to engage in relationships with each other because we'll help our, our, you can help somebody else see our blind spots. It is absolutely necessary in the body of Christ because Mark, I think you're absolutely true. So that's why we need somebody. I need somebody to tell me. We need to do it out of deep concern and do it out of care for the person, not to blast the person, but out of care for the person. But if we know there's something in somebody that we have a relationship or a vital relationship and we know that something is destructive in their lives and we just sit there and do not take the risk to enter into their lives, that's problematic for us. So we need the body of Christ. We need the body of Christ. We need one another to help each other in that regard. That's the best answer I can give you, Mark. Other observations, questions. Encourage you to think on this and chew on this. It's got a lot there. Yep. <laughs> also, I'm going to just go back and repeat your emphasis as you started about reading the whole text from 1 1 to 22 21. Yep. Because if we are engaged actively, personally, in reading the text always, over and over and over again, God, the Spirit, it's, in that, it's the powerful mystery of this book that we believe in, that God uses it to continue with the Spirit's presence in us to say, no, Paul, it's about you. It's That is absolutely excellent. There's the other dimension. Constantly being in the Word, and the Spirit illuminates in those areas of our lives as we engage Him in that relationship. There's something dynamic that goes on every time we open up the sacred Word. I don't care if we're in books that we say, boy, this is dry. The Spirit of God can work. I was reading Romans 8 the other day, and uh, I was just blown away by it, just blown away by it. I just, you know, I just went away saying, my God, how great it is that I have that position in Christ. Just blows me away, just blew me away at a time when I needed, a, I needed Romans 8 in my life. And so there's true, we have those sources of one another, that the Spirit of God works, and we also have the Word. That's great. Yes? Um, yes, about the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, and that's what he mentioned. He's not looking to tell you, but he does. You know, that's really good, Cheryl. I think the Holy Spirit is a little bit more gentle than we are at times to help, each, help us grow. Of course, often he uses one another, but I think he's more gentle. I think we ought to rely a lot on him to, to um, help us become wise and become faithful to him. Any other questions? Just a few more minutes. Comments? Yes? Yes, sir. Two things. Two things, loud. One is that we shouldn't reject the counsel of others simply because they're our spouse. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad you said that. Because sometimes, not always, but sometimes the Lord is speaking to us 
by the one that knows us best. Okay? Sometimes or more times? So, no, I'll say sometimes. <laughs> What's the second? The other thing is that, that it's wise sometimes for us to invite a particular person into our lives to speak God's word. This week I'm meeting with a, with a counselor. Okay? Uh, as we go into some new transitions, uh, getting older and all that, I want to meet with somebody and I want to give him permission to speak because he's a, he's a Christian counselor. I'm going to give him permission to speak into my life and saying, you know, Steve, I don't know about that. Um, or yes, you know what I mean? Yeah. And again, not to put him in the role of God, but to allow him to, to, to speak some things, perhaps, uh, to me. Uh, in a way that I can hear and give him permission to do that. Because a lot of times we do reject the counsel of God and the counsel of others simply because we don't like it. Yeah. And, and to give permission to somebody else to do that, I think, is wise. I think that is fantastic. Sometimes we have to be honest. It's the person that maybe thinks a little different than we do in a different angle that's most helpful to us. Well, I encourage you to think about this this week. I encourage you to think about, and, and it, it grieves our heart to see the progression of people's lives that choose to walk away from God. May our grief turn to grace that we enter into people's lives in a way, but sometimes I know a number of my friends and some of my best friends who are in situations with somebody that they love dearly in their lives, and they find themselves that they just nothing they can do. How frustrating it is that there's nothing they can do they have to wait until a person crashes at times, then comes to their senses before you have the opportunity to engage in a meaningful relationship. And that is so hard and so painful, and that is the lowest level of the Proverbs that we have seen. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would uh, move our hearts to, to walk with you faithfully, to um, operate in the sphere of wisdom as we internalize your truth and as we live it out in our lives. And Father, help us to have a deep passion for those who are experiencing the slide in their lives as they slide away from you. Father, when we can, help us to, to move into their lives with the truth of God, the power of your grace, so that they can move into the sphere of wisdom, move towards the sphere of faith in a relationship with our loving Savior. Amen.